0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
1: Hey, welcome back to Southern Remedy, a doctor call-in show for you guys driving through the area for the holidays. We are in fact live on Wednesday and loud uh, loud and live. <laughs> On this Wednesday before Thanksgiving, so we're here to take your calls. This is the Wednesday version of the show, and it's whatever you want to talk about. We work in a few things of interest to us, too, that hopefully will be of interest to you. And it's our pleasure to take your medical questions here on a weekly basis. Our show is replayed on Sunday at 6 a.m. for you early risers. And uh, we want to welcome you, too, if you're here Post Thanksgiving. But today we are live, and I'm very, very happy to bring my colleague, Dr. Josie Bidwell, who is a doctor of nursing practice, a practicing nurse practitioner in. Uh, She's a regular on our show, and in addition to being an expert uh, primary care person, she also is a fitness. Uh, and cooking expert, which is uh, pretty doggone good, Dr. Bidwell.
2: It is. It's, it's really the foundation of health. We've got to be more physically active and watch what we're putting in our mouths. And that really is the basis for a lot of our chronic diseases.
1: It's just about all of them. In, Absolutely. Right now, right now in Mississippi, it's just about everything. A cardiac disease, heart disease, diabetes, um, strokes, cancer, they're all affected by pork health choices and i know that you spent a lot of time working on trying to improve health literacy about what those are and you are working now with clinics and little kids too right
2: absolutely we um, work with our school-based clinics that the school of nursing has and our family practice clinics to really hit these kids early with what it is to make good healthy choices And how that impacts their health in the future.
1: And speaking of healthy choices, I'm going to get her to talk a little bit about low-fat yogurt, which seems to be what all of the health people are using to substitute for all things bad in cooking. And her special cheesecake holiday recipe, which... uh, it, it, my, the problem at my house is when we have cheesecake, I can only eat one teaspoonful.
2: Well, the good thing about these cheesecakes is they're already portioned out for you. They're little tiny mini cheesecakes, so it's built-in portion control, which is really the key at the holidays: is enjoying our food but not overindulging in things. Yeah,
1: my problem is I eat two or three portions, uh, but the, you'll tell us how to work through that I too. Will. So we're talking about whatever's on your mind, any kind of medical issues. Uh, you want to call us about we're at one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four or we'll take your uh emails uh at southern remedy at mpbonline.org. dot org. So this is the time of the year that I go through uh, uh my long uh, uh awaited annual suggestions on happy holiday get togethers. I don't know if your family is as dysfunctional as mine, uh, but uh, we, uh, we usually uh, end up doing battle by the end of any occasion. But we've been working on it to try to make it better. And uh, so we've come up with this set of rules. And uh, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. And we've added a couple of new ones uh, this year, the first of which is number eight. Which should be number one.
2: That's right. Declare the dinner table a politics-free zone.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now that will work only if you have number two.
2: Right, which is invite someone from outside the family to attend, preferably a minister.
1: Yeah, yeah. That one. That one keeps the less inhibited family members from acting out and keeps men from telling off. Right on jokes. your best
2: behavior when yeah. you have a guest.
1: Right. And so that's uh, number number one is declare the dinner uh, table a politics-free zone. And we'll uh, talk to your politics, if they're medical, at one eight seven seven mpb ring and we'll take your call. So give us a call. So number one is declare the dinner table a politics-free zone. Number two is invite someone from outside the family to attend, preferably a minister or a spinster, uh, and number three, there there are uh, eight of these, and we're not going to read all of them now. Number three is, the chef is the sheriff. The chef needs to dictate what is appropriate at what time, and feel free to be a firm peacemaker. These are all going to be just, uh, on our website shortly at org. So if you want to add to these next week, we will uh, add some more on there. So... Uh, and throw you a few more fish as we go forward. First, let's go to Lib and Jackson. Hey, Lib.
0: Hey, good morning, and happy Thanksgiving.
1: Thanksgiving happiness to you as well. What's on your mind?
0: So I need some advice. I am um, significantly overweight, and I'm not currently physically active, other than, you know, the kind of normal go-into-the-store kind of demands, walking around at work. I don't have any kind of physical... Um, fitness routine, and I don't know where to start because I am overweight. Moving is hard, and and so I need some advice about what I might do to, to get started.
1: All right, that is a perfect question for our special guest, and we have open lines at one eight seven seven MPB ring. We're going to go to Meridian after this call, and your call us. You give us a call one eight seven seven. MPB ring. So Dr. Bidwell, several years ago, I think you participated in the uh, documentary uh, Southern Remedy did on obesity. And one of the key uh, things that I learned during that experience was the behavior of the obese rat. There is a rat that has been bred for medical research. And part of that is we put a regular Actually, it's a mouse, obese mouse. We put a regular mouse on one of my shoulders and an obese mouse on the other shoulder. And the uh, white regular mouse was running all up and down my head and on my back. And the obese uh, one was just sort of sitting there looking at me, very well-behaved but not moving. And I I came to understand that there are physiologic reasons that people – who get overweight don't have the energy to move we don't know all that biology but it's a frequent complaint i hear and where do you start like lib is asking is uh, an answer i frequently don't know how to give so what is as someone who works in this area what do you think
2: well the the first step is to make sure that you set realistic goals so if you've not been physically active for a while haven't been in a formal exercise plan then it's not reasonable to say I'm gonna walk 30 minutes a day five days of the week which are the current recommendations for physical activity for adults so you set really small really attainable goals so it may be that you walk five minutes today and you do that for a week every day for a week and then you increase that by five minute increments Every week until you build up to that. What I also hear a lot of folks um, who do have a little extra weight is that their knees are bothering them, that their back is hurting, and that makes it very difficult for them to do you know, jogging, walking, treadmill, that type of exercise. And I completely understand that. Sometimes just getting that weight off is going to help with those, with that joint pain, but it doesn't fix that problem to start with. So you want to look for activities that are low impact on the joints. One of those would be a water type sport, so a water aerobics. Um, So look for gyms that have uh, a pool that's open um, all year. Um, Those are very, very helpful for you. Or even try, you know, a recumbent bike that will take some of the gravitational pull off of the joints, but allow you to get some exercise in
3: so
1: to summarize what you said is one do reasonable be reasonable Two: try to find something you can do that doesn't hurt and i totally agree with you about warm water exercise programs the problem is we have so few of those all all year round pools if you have a y in your area more likely or not there is one and that is for people with arthritis people who are just getting started is terrific Women don't like it so much because they have to get their hair, you know, fixed. Uh, there are ways to deal with that as well. Absolutely, and uh, and and then sort of go up progressively. Let me add this one thing. By the way, you're listening to Dr. Rick and Dr. Josie Bidwell on Southern Remedy. We're open for your calls. We're about to go to Meridian, and we'll take your call. We're at one eight seven seven MPB Ring. One of the things that I have learned as a Uh, arthritis doctor is uh, that folks don't do is they don't get new tennis shoes absolutely and that really whacks them out
2: arch support is crucial for uh, exercise so make sure that you've got really good arch supports if you can't afford a new pair of shoes just get some new inserts to go into the shoe that'll give you some support for those joints
1: so there are certain uh, problems uh, that folks have especially if you're obese there are knock knees and the reverse. There's pes planus, flat feet, and there are people who pronate, who turn their feet in, and all of those can lead to knee and hip pain. And uh, getting going to a sports shoe place and getting fitted. Uh, if you can't afford it, you can find out what works best and go online and get it. The New Balance and there are a whole bunch of different shoes that are appropriate. But most of the time, they will deal with you on these shoes and get them at a reasonable cost. So that we'll take more calls about uh, fitness and how to get uh, into the uh, uh, a New Year's resolution that will work to make you healthier. And Dr. Bidwell is here to help me with that today. So give us a call if you want to talk about that. But we're open for anything at one eight seven seven mpb ring And here's Mike in Meridian. Hey, Mike.
4: Hello there. Uh, I uh, have uh, uh, I get dilated every so often because of a scarred esophagus. I forget what the term is, or previous reflux, you know? Right. And the last time I got dilated and scoped, uh, he said he saw candida in my esophagus, and I was totally blown away and kind of worried about it. And I had to kind of research it a little bit. I believe it's a fungus of some kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gave me some antibiotics, but only eight pills, and I took them, and okay. And I guess I'm wondering how do I find out uh, if it's gone without having to do another dilation or uh, go under, you know, sedation?
1: Okay, well, let me just get a couple so, of mean, things. Is that
4: unusual? That's um, I was really surprised
1: by that. I'm gonna i am I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you that. I think this is a really, really important area and I'm glad you called. You have an esophageal stricture, is that right? From uh, so I, reflux. I had
4: reflux for a long time and it scarred and I and I it gets hard to swallow sometimes so I get dilated.
1: Right. So, so that's, that's one of the r- time that's one of the reasons that esophageal reflux is important to uh, mention to your provider in particular to fix. The biggest cause of uh, reflux is obesity. And uh, Dr. Bidwell has already alluded to this, where many of us have a pot belly right now, and that screws up the way the little valve works that separates your stomach from your esophagus, and acid runs up there and burns your esophagus and scars it, and you get a stricture. Uh, Candida is a ubiquitous uh, fungus that is everywhere, You may have heard your wife talk about having that uh, in the private parts. Many women have problems with Canada infection. It is not usually a bad germ at all. It tends to get in places that are inflamed or the barrier is broken. So it is not unusual to see that in people who have esophageal strictures. And unless you're having symptoms from it, it is nothing to worry about. Uh, When you do have symptoms then you can gargle and swallow uh, an antifungal. He gave you a pill that is an antifungal. We don't use that much more than a couple of three times usually, but there are all kinds of antifungal uh, preparations that he can give you to swallow that will take care of that. So, Mike, if you're not having any symptoms from it and you're not having trouble swallowing uh, i would leave it right there
2: absolutely i mean truly the only way to know if it's gone would be to rescope. but if the reflux has calmed down if you're not having burning pain or an increase in your reflux symptoms then it really has been taken care of um, for right yeah, now and I, not something to worry about
4: yeah i didn't know it was i had no 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 it had no indication at all and, and since then it, i had that's why it was such a surprise It had no indication you know it was just my normal every six or seven months, you know. You know, it was closing up, and I get that, and I've done that several times, no problem. Right. And I was. This was just a real surprise, and uh, I guess, it, like you said, I guess I'll wait till uh, my next till I get gets uh, hard to swallow, and he'll, of course, he'll see that by then whether you know.
1: No, that, that's not the right answer either. So there was some kind of communication breakdown there. Uh, you should be seen by the gastroenterologist or a primary care provider uh, at three or four months uh, intervals if you have an esophageal stricture to make sure that your uh, reflux is controlled because you will end up with Barrett's esophagus. Uh, uh, Barrett's esophagus is a pre-malignant condition that, prefer, that, that uh, occurs in people with reflux chronic reflux it's a right above the uh, juncture of the esophagus to the stomach gets uh-huh. burned and you get change in those tissues and you end up with cancer of the esophagus so no uh-huh. you need to be seeing somebody regularly to make sure this is taken care of because that is preventable and i am sure he took biopsies of your esophagus when you had your scope to make sure you don't have barrett's esophagus okay Okay, I'll do that then. All right, thank you for your call and happy holidays. Thank You're, li- you. You're welcome. You're listening to Southern Remedy. It's a live holiday uh, show. Uh, we're waiting for your calls at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. I'm Doctor Rick here with Doctor Josie. We're taking all your um, all your questions, and we're talking about some holiday ideas for surviving family get togethers and maybe even a few cooking t- tips. We'll be right back after this break.
0: Hey, welcome back
1: to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Rick with Dr. Josie, and we're taking your calls at one eight seven seven MPB Ring, one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We have three open lines. If you ever wanted to ask a medical question, this is your chance because you will get in, and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we've talked a little bit about uh, suggestions for Happy Holiday. Uh, get-togethers. We talked about declaring the dinner table a politics-free zone. The chef is the sheriff in dictating uh, any uh, behaviors around the house. Uh, That will get you out of a lot of trouble. And uh, three, try to invite somebody who can be a mediator, preferably a minister, where people will be embarrassed from acting out. Uh, And we also uh, list in their lower expectations which is exactly what Dr. Bidwell has just said about starting your exercise program and giving us some really good hints about how to do that. And here's another one limit alcohol. In fact, if possible, don't deserve it, at, uh, don't serve it at all. Now, my family has a history of alcoholism, and we are very, very careful about what alcohol product we serve, if any. And if there are children uh, present, we try to get around not even offering it but don't always succeed. So uh, if you do serve it, don't buy much and run out of it early. That's our tip on that. So, uh, Dr. Bidwell, we were talking a little bit earlier about uh, while we wait for our callers at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, and we're going to Kosciuszko in one second, uh, salt, sugar, and fat. That's the problem with our diet. Every, all of these, um, all of these processed foods, uh, are given a long shelf life by being heavily salted. Uh, that, and we know that the combination of salt, sugar, and fat is addictive. And uh, and I think the, the data now are good enough from the MRIs of the brain showing that it's an addiction just like cocaine and everything else. If you get that combination in the right uh, proportions, you can't put that down. And I am addicted to chocolate chip cookies that my wife fixes, and she just doesn't make them much because I can't eat just one. Right. I try, I lock them up, I cut them up, I portion them. I just, I wake up wanting one of. them.
2: Well, you know, the chip companies for a while, their slogan was, "You can't eat just one," and it's true that it really hooks you and makes you crave them and eat more and more of them. And you know, the the sugar. Causes problems with diabetes. The salt causes problems with high blood pressure. It's what makes things taste good, but it's because that's what we're conditioned to think things are supposed to taste like.
1: Well, as a non cook, I do cook, um, I do scrambled eggs pretty well. Uh, oatmeal, I I've have problems with that. Uh, and uh, I boil eggs. It's all eggs. That's the only thing I can cook. Well, so I have no idea protein. what I'm talking about. But can you substitute something for salt? something for sugar, and something for fat in your preparation of holiday and other meals? Is there a a formula?
2: There's always ways to substitute. So if you completely remove salt from a recipe, it's not going to taste good. But if you use it in moderation, instead of just freely salting everything, then it's okay.
1: What is moderation?
2: Well, the recommendations for the average American are about a teaspoon of salt a day, which is not a whole lot of salt. If you already have kidney issues, high blood pressure issues, then it's a half a teaspoon, a little bit more than half a teaspoon a day. So I tell people, don't get so hung up on how much salt you're using as you prepare your food, but don't salt things once they get to the table. What about
1: potassium salt, that stuff you can get to see So substitute? those are the
2: salt substitutes. So again, I would caution you, if you have kidney issues, um, that you should not use those salt substitutes because that's the way you get rid of potassium and that can cause some Mm. heart issues. So there are great other ways to to season food that will give it good flavor. Um, er, Fresh herbs are kind of our number one way, especially the thing we use in our community teaching kitchen. We always use fresh herbs. That's going to up the flavor value thing, especially around the holidays. Rosemary, thyme, basil. Those are all great options for um, seasoning your food without adding salt to it. Well, we'll have
1: to learn how to do that because that's not Southern traditional Southern it's, cooking it's, is it?
2: It's not, um, but very very easy to use, um, and they're pretty cheap. You can put them in a glass of water in the fridge, and they'll last at least a week. So you've got plenty of um, of opportunities to use and if those. You're too
1: lazy to do that, as I would be. They have some low salts, uh, all kinds of spice mixtures that really are good.
2: Right, right. We used to just kind of have Mrs. Dash was our Mm salt-free option. But most of the supermarkets now carry a generic or a a store brand named salt-free seasoning blend. Those are great options as well. All right.
1: So we got this salt part, and that's herbs. We'll talk about the sugar and fat parts in between these calls. But we got work to do. Let's go to Cosiesco and Marie. Hey, Marie hey Marie
0: oh hi I'm sorry
1: good to talk to you
0: thank you thank you I'm sorry that my question is kind of off the subject that you all there are is no about subject right
1: today you are the subject
0: okay uh, but you earlier a gentleman had called about acid reflux
5: uh-huh. and
0: you had said something about if you have chronic acid reflux there was some condition that you may have and it sounded like you said there is
1: Barrett, B-A-R-R-E-T-T, apostrophe S, Barrett's esophagus.
0: Barrett's esophagus.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. That is a pre condition of the esophagus that occurs in people who have chronic untreated reflux, and okay. it is diagnosable only at endoscopy. That's why we recommend as primary care providers, like Dr. Bidwell and I are, that anyone who has chronic... Uh, poorly controlled reflux at some time uh preferably uh earlier rather than later get an upper endoscopy to look for evidence of stricture or which is you know just when you reflux it burns your esophagus and it scars down that's a stricture you start having trouble swallowing and other problems or barrett's esophagus so that's what we're talking about. If you have Barrett's esophagus, you have to really uh, super control your reflux and have episodic scopes with biopsies to make sure it doesn't turn malignant, whereupon it would have to be treated. Is that okay. helpful, Marie?
0: That that helped. I have a relative that this may apply to.
3: Yeah. Um,
0: and uh, he did. They tried to do something like a endoscoscope uh-huh. for him, uh-huh. but... Um, they said that he kept fighting, so they could not get uh, uh, a biopsy of uh, a mass that they found on a cat.
1: Okay, well, let me just tell you why that was. The the you for some people like me <clears throat> who uh, don't respond to the conscious sedation that uh, most people use in their office uh, for endoscopy. I, I can't get deep enough to sleep, not to try to give an uppercut to the guy who's sticking stuff up my rectum and other places.
0: That's what they said uh, uh, Yeah,
1: right. Well, he, he and was. I are probably related. In Mississippi, we're all cousins anyway. <laughs> uh, so so he, he needs to ask his gastroenterologist to do this with an anesthesiologist. They they can bring an anesthesiologist in and they can fix this problem. The average gastroenterologist doesn't know enough about that to deal with that a complicated patient, and it he needs it. He needs to get it. So that would be. And if they they say that uh, they can't do it, ask for a second opinion from another gastroenterologist. That's a routine problem. Okay. Okay.
0: Then. All right. Thank
1: you so great, much. Great to talk to you. You're listening to Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Rick here with Dr. Josie. We're taking all callers and let's go to Richard and Natchez on the Natchez Trace. Hey, Richard.
5: Hi. Uh, how are you?
1: Good. Is it raining?
5: Uh, it is a little
1: bit hot I'm, uh, dog.
5: South of Tupelo
1: here. Yeah, well, it happened uh, in our uh, in our yard this morning, and nobody knew what it was. They thought maybe the plumbing was messed yeah, up or it's something. Been
5: real dry. Yeah.
1: What's your question?
5: Um, I had a question about statin drugs. I've been taking Lipitor for over twenty years. I, I wonderful drug. It's helped me get cholesterol numbers down. But I also retired, and I started exercising. I lost. pounds and problems I had with reflux went away and sleep apnea and but my cholesterol is real good right now and I'm concerned about the long-term effects of taking statin drugs certainly I've read you know there are those who think they're bad uh, more I think they're, they're good but I don't sometimes I feel a little achy and I wonder if that might be due to Lipitor
1: okay and what is you said your cholesterol is good what is your LDL?
5: Oh dear, um, I my total number used to be above 200, mm-hmm. uh, two you know, hundred. probably two hundred and forty. That
1: number doesn't even count.
5: Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I uh, okay. Well,
1: I'm just trying to make a point. I'm not trying to beat you up. Uh, yeah, I don't.
5: I, I don't know the number.
1: <laughs> the point. My... The point is, is that. Uh, what is important is your LDL and your HDL and if you go by your total cholesterol you you, forget it you don't know anything about what's going on and Dr., uh, uh, Dr. Bedwell is an expert on this so Do you agree with me that you can't make any sense out of it until you know your HDL and your LDL? Well,
2: absolutely. So LDL is that bad cholesterol, and HDL is what we consider that good cholesterol. Both are independent risk factors for heart disease. We want our LDL to be low, our HDL to be high. And so we really have to know those numbers. Now, congratulations on losing that weight. That is absolutely fantastic. And it may be that that has impacted your cholesterol enough that you can back down on your medication or even come off. But that's something that needs to happen in conjunction with your primary care provider and most of them that's what we want we want to get you off medications when we can so you know I would have a really frank conversation with them about the fact that you're wanting to explore the possibility of not being on your medication and really look at your numbers if your numbers are not at goal if you're not maximizing your reduction in heart risk then you really should stay on the statin
1: right and so so uh, hyperlipidemia is genetic and it is made worse by bad dietary habits and being overweight. But your genetics are still there. We see people who are you know, who are morbidly obese and have normal cholesterol. So you've got a genetic problem, it's not your fault totally. And uh if your LDL is uh over a hundred and twenty or so, I like a hundred, and you have a family history of heart disease, no matter what your situation is, you probably need to be on a statin. And I will just tell you, that's one of the one of maybe two or three drugs I'm going to be taking with me when I am exiled to an island off the Gulf Coast by all my enemies. Uh, Aspirin and a statin, because uh, statins actually keep your the lining of your blood vessels healthy.
2: Right. You know, it's going to keep the risk of blood clots from forming, make sure that there's nothing sticky in the blood vessels that make clots, which cause heart attacks and strokes. So he's abs- Dr. Rick's absolutely correct that it, genetics play a huge role in it. Um, I'm with Dr. Rick. I take a statin every day um, because of my genetic history, and I, you know, I certainly don't want to have a heart attack or a stroke. So statins are great medications. You mentioned some achiness that you were having. I would say that's probably not related to your statin. It, that's so well publicized that it can cause muscle pain that anytime folks feel achy they associate it to the statin right, right it's actually probably not related to that i've i've really only seen one case in in the 10 years that i've been practicing that was an actual muscle injury from so statin so call
1: back to the doctor's office uh and get your statin your uh lipid levels the good and the bad cholesterol and and then have a conversation with him or her about what you ought to do my guess is that it's better, but it's not fixed. And it's not just the LDL. If if your HDL is low, that is a lesser risk factor, but it is a risk factor for heart disease because you don't have that HDL Drano cleaning out your blood vessels. So thank you for your call and have a Wonderful Thanksgiving, and we appreciate your calling, Richard. thank
5: you. And my primary care doc is a a nurse practitioner as well. Well, fantastic. I'm so glad. Down in Henderson, Louisiana.
2: Fantastic.
1: Good to hear from you and all the other travelers. You're listening to Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. This is a doctor call-in show. I'm Dr. Rick here with Dr. Josie, and we're taking all of your calls on whatever you want to talk about. We're fixing to go to Port Gibson, and we have open lines and uh we want uh we were trying to get through a series of uh things uh that you can substitute. We talked a little bit about uh salt, sugar, and fat, and how bad it is, and for our health and you talked about salt substitutes, which were herbs and limiting your salt, not doing added salt to food. And you can actually end up with stuff tasting better than salt, Absolutely. actually. I My wife has got all, I don't know what she puts in there. I think it's zombie juice. But all this stuff she grinds up and stuff in there. So what about sugar?
2: So sugar, you know, any form of sweetener is going to add calories to you. So there are a lot of good sweetener products, artificial sweetener products out there.
1: So artificial uh, sweeteners like uh, any of them, uh, the yellow, the blue, they all have some sugar in them.
2: Well, they don't have sugar in them. A lot, the newer products, like the yellow packet, mm. um, or even the green packet now, those are refined from a sugar plant, so they're considered the more natural so that's option. Splenda, Splenda and, and um, uh, stevia, stevia, stevia. Which stevia is actually my preference uh, for an artificial sweetener. Why is that? Um, it just seems to have a little bit less chemical added into it, um, and it. It uh, does not affect your blood sugar, and it has a a pretty clean taste. Some folks will say that it has a little bit of a bitter aftertaste, but usually you can get away with uh, with that, and and it kind of goes away over
1: time. Okay, but you can't cook with those like you can with sugar, can you?
2: You can in certain instances. There are going to be products that you just absolutely can't. Can't swap that out for, but in certain things um, you can swap those in. Splenda has a baking blend as well, which is a half um, Splenda, half sugar uh, brand that's mixed together. So
1: you're you're a pastry chef. Tell just just run down real quick what you can uh, substitute sugar with. What types of foods like. Some people put sugar in everything, which is terrible. Right, right. Uh, So uh,
2: what I see people adding sugar to most is their beverages. So, you know, our coffee is sweetened, our tea is sweetened, um, and then our soft drinks as well. So honey makes a great substitution for um, flavoring your coffee or your tea. Now, it's still a sugar, so don't go overboard but it is less sugar it's less of a glycemic spike so Uh it's not going to make you're not going to shoot your sugar up quite as fast as um, plain white sugar does Um, agave nectar is also another good option it's right in the sugar aisle um, right on the top shelf and what is that it's a liquid um, sugar product refined from the agave plant which is also what we get tequila from so oh, I uh, want some it, of that. it is not so, so, um, not tequila so how
1: much of how do you know how much follow instructions
2: yeah absolutely so you know most um, we use agave nectar a lot again in our teaching kitchen and we pretty much teaspoon for teaspoon substitution on that on sugar
1: and it's lower ca- lower lower glycemic gly- index lower total calories right so
2: it's not going to spike your sugar yeah, as much
1: and people don't understand that concept uh, unless they eat at Chinese restaurants, which I do. And so you, you know that when you go in a Chinese restaurant and you eat a lot of rice and Chinese food, you feel wonderful. And then about an hour and a half or two hours later, you want to climb under a table because you're sleepy and uh, you're hungry. And that's the glycemic spike.
2: Right. So things that have that are low in fiber and are already refined tend to shoot our sugar up very, very quickly but they don't hang around for a long period of time. So then we kind of crash, and that's when we get jittery or we get hungry, or as I like to call it, hangry, you get upset, and then you you look for a snack wherever you can find it. Been there, been there. Right. So if we have things that have a lower glycemic index, it provides a a more gentle rise in blood sugar and a more sustained uh, blood sugar level so that you don't get that kind of sugar crash that you have.
1: Uh, I think that I have been uh, trying without much success to get off of diet drinks I think that diet drinks I still get that spike even though there's no sugar in there. That's a combination of caffeine and a sweetener. I still get that.
2: Well, the deal with the the sweeteners in the in the diet drinks is it's still conditioning our taste buds to think that everything has to taste sweet. So when we eat uh healthy foods that are traditionally not sweetened when we have fresh fruits and, and water and things like that, our body is still kind of craving that sugary taste because of those diet drinks. Well, that
1: explains that. So you just have to sort of detox yourself. Huh? You do.
2: You yeah. do. And I I was a Diet Coke addict. I had to have one. And I have not had a Diet Coke in about six months. And I feel so much better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't, uh, you beverage folks, don't kill us, please. There, there are safe beverages that, out there, too. So. Uh, you're listening to Southern Remedy. We're going to Linda in Port Gibson, and we have lines open at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 It's all things considered on Southern Remedy with Dr. Josie and Dr. Rick. Hey, Linda. Hi. What's um, happening? I'm
6: calling from Port Gibson.
1: A good place. Uh,
6: yeah. Uh, the, I thought about uh, the best holiday uh, thing that you can do. Uh, instead of bringing alcohol, we normally bring uh, like a Welch's alcoholic, non alcoholic. Uh,
1: Fizzy stuff.
6: Sparkling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, all that apple. Uh,
1: that is a great idea. So you can have, that. for people who like to imbibe, you can have sort of, uh, it, it's sort of like champagne drink, right?
6: Mm-hmm. Yes. And then another thing. Uh, uh, I use, I've been using uh, Privia for the past three or four months and I have been using Splendor. Uh, I've heard that, that uh, Splendor and the others have aspartame or something. Well,
2: the the blue packs and the pink packs they have things like aspartame, which is the the NutraSweet type of um, sweeteners, and so those are the ones that we that can trigger they can trigger migraines in some folks, um, and those are the ones that that I tend to stay away from. Um, Splenda does not have aspartame in it. Um, And then Truvia, which is the other brand name that you mentioned, which is a a brand of Stevia, also does not have aspartame in it. So those are the two better of the the artificial sweeteners for you to use.
6: I I still have Splenda, and I have Privia, and so... uh... All right. Keep using both. Yes, ma'am.
1: You sound like you're on the right road, and we appreciate your call, and happy Thanksgiving.
6: Happy Thanksgiving to you.
1: You're listening to Southern Remedy. We're at one here with nurse practitioner Dr. Josie Bidwell, who's also a fitness, uh, exercise, and cooking expert. And let me tell you, she knows what she's talking about. So, we talked about salt substitutes, sugar substitutes. What about fat? That's so, the thing I like the best.
2: Well, it's what makes food taste good. I would like
1: to eat fat back. We used to have fat back
2: no. uh, at
1: my house. Uh, we had a, we had Oh, a, I had it too uh, growing up on let me all the vegetables. Stuff was good. We had bacon every morning and oh my goodness, it was wonderful and now it's all gone.
2: Well, you can still have bacon. Just a little bit of bacon. And what I actually tell folks, because most of our vegetables that we've grown up with in Southern cuisine have had, you know, a ham hock in them or a piece of fat meat in them or bacon. Uh, What I tell folks to do is... Cook a couple of pieces of bacon, bake them in the oven on a tray so that the oil uh, and the fat kind of drips down. And then, you know, blot them, get them good and dry, and then crumble those up and put those on top of your vegetables. So on top of your green beans or on top of your cabbage, that way you still get a little of that smoky, salty bacon flavor, but it's not swimming in the fat from now, the I noticed bacon. that
1: a number of the healthy restaurants are doing that. They're sort of crumbling it up, and and they even are fake bacon bits i don't know what's in those it may be some kind of dog food or something yeah
2: i'm not big on fake anything if it um uh, you know i would rather have a little bit of a I true like that. product I like that. than like a ton mm. of um an artificial so that there's
1: so many people out there trying to sell us processed foods that are disguised within you know healthy or fit or you know, low whatever in this if there's if it's low-fat, it's usually high-sugar. If it's low-sugar, it's usually high-fat in all these prepared foods. Right. Fruits.
2: You pull one out, they usually increase the other to make it taste good because that's what makes people buy things. We're it's going to go to good.
1: Louisiana and Timothy and Madison with Anetta in just a second. Uh, so what is the deal about the fat substitute?
2: Well, so you want to substitute heart-healthy fats. So if you're going to use an oil, then, you know, an olive oil is a or a canola oil is a better option for you. Um, st- try and stay away from things that are solid at room temperature, like shortening. Um, those are much higher in saturated fat, which is what clogs up our arteries and makes us have heart attacks and strokes. Um, the other things that we tend to glob on our foods are mayonnaise and ranch. Dressing and those creamy um, types of um, of products, and so we mentioned at the start of the show about Greek yogurt. And what's the deal with Greek yogurt? Well, Greek yogurt is an excellent product that can be subbed in both sweet dishes and savory dishes depending on the variety that you buy. Now, when you go to the grocery store, there's tons of yogurts available, but not all Greek yogurts are created equal. Some of them are going to be very high in calorie, very high in fat, very high in sugar. So, if you're going to pick a Greek yogurt to use in a recipe or to make a sauce with, get plain Greek yogurt. Anytime you get a flavored Greek yogurt, you're going to increase the sugar content of that particular product. So get your plain, non-fat Greek yogurt and you can sub that almost anywhere that you would use sour cream, that you would use a mayonnaise, that you would use a dressing. You can sub in that Greek yogurt. So
1: you could use Greek yogurt to make chicken salad my favorite thing?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. We do that all the time. And if you if it called for a quarter of a cup of mayonnaise, put in a quarter of a cup of the nonfat plain Greek yogurt. Please don't put vanilla Greek yogurt in your chicken salad. You will be mad at me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Well, that, that's that's great. So, so it's just a matter of having these substitutes available and playing with them a little bit with the dish. And uh, before you serve it to everybody else to get all the proportions right, right. Right. All right. Well, that's that's very helpful. Hey, Timothy, how are you doing in Louisiana?
3: Oh, just grooving right along.
1: <clears throat> are y'all I, would, gonna...
3: I would like to uh, agree 100% on the yogurt thing. Okay. When I finish, when I'm making chili and I finish off, the last thing I do is add uh, about a cup of, plain
0: yogurt to it, you know? Whoa.
2: I topped mine with, with a little dollop of of Greek yogurt
3: as well.
6: Uh-huh.
1: So that gives and it a, sort of I've, a creamy texture? Is that the deal,
3: Timothy? Yes, uh, Timoth- yes. I learned that from the Arabs, you know? Really? Uh, and boy, howdy. And, I, you know, I always use, believe it or not, cinnamon. When I'm cooking the ground meat, be it, you know, venison or whatever, I'll use some cinnamon, some turmeric in there. You know, very Middle Eastern spices. Have benefits, you know, mm. uh, to our health. Anyhow, um, I'm questioning about unsweetened uh, canned fruit juices, like um, a plain cranberry or something like that. You know, um, if I were to like drink large quantities of that, would there be any harm to it?
2: So any fruit juice, regardless of whether it's sweetened or not, is a sugary carbohydrate right? because uh-huh. it's it's pressed out fruit juice. So yeah. the serving size of any juice is about four ounces at a time. Um, when you go over that, it is going to run your sugar up, especially if you have... Um, Diabetes. So for folks, especially around the holidays, a good tip to do, is get your cranberry that you were talking about, put one or two ounces of cranberry, um, fill your glass up with ice, and then put a little sparkling mineral water on top of it and a little squeeze of lime. And you've got kind of a, a mocktail. So, you know, you got Oh, to- <laughs> that
1: sounds incredible. Let's do you've that to- again. Run right, right through that a little
7: slower.
2: So um, just get a glass, put an ounce or two of unsweetened cranberry juice. Fill your glass up with ice, then top your glass off with some sparkling water. Um, Not a sweetened water, but it is a Mm -hmm. sparkling mineral water. A little squeeze of lime on top, and you've got a great festive holiday drink.
1: That is an incredible drink. I'm going to try that out. That's And that's nothing to do.
2: Good. Oh, no, absolutely. And you can have several juices. Like If you wanted to have a little bar set up, mm-hmm. you could have an orange juice there. You could have a cranberry juice. You could have a grape juice. And folks can kind of mix and match their own uh, that, that beverages. That would
1: be a really great thing yeah. for the holidays. Well, thanks for that. And thanks for your call in Louisiana, man. He, you, you have some good ideas. and. uh Send us an email and I'll read some more of them out. We're at Southern remedy at mpbonline.org. We still have a few open lines. We're at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four one eight seven seven mpb ring. Let's go to Anetta and Madison. Hey, Anetta. We'll see. You there? Howdy, Anetta.
7: Hey, how are you? Oh, we're
1: great. We appreciate your call.
7: Good. I have a question. About um do you all know anything about the bone broth diet?
2: I have had a few patients who have asked about it, and actually one who is currently using um the bone broth diet.
7: Yes, I started it um I started it a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I actually lost seven pounds. Wow. What is it? A little, what
1: what is a little what 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 are you what are you doing? What are you eating?
7: Well, I'm eating. Uh, I decided I didn't want to make my bone broth. They do sell the bones at the rainbow, but I ordered mine broth in powdered form mm-hmm. from Amazon, mm-hmm. and I'm eating uh, protein. Uh, they want you to have some fat. Uh, who is who is, the, who is they? Who is
1: they, Annette? Who is they? In
7: the bone, in the diet, in the bone broth. Where do you get this? Where do you
1: get this diet? I don't know. I'm stupid about that. I uh, work.
7: Dr. Kellyanne. It's a book.
1: It's a book. There's
7: a book about it, and I've met several people who are doing it, and they seem to have good results. But supposed to fix your tummy if you have reflux and you have a leaky gut. Uh huh. And I've had gut problems. Since I was 25. What does it taste like? It's not bad at all. Is it soup? It's good, actually. So
2: my deal with any of these uh, kind of up-and-coming diets is that you have to make sure that whatever you're going to do is sustainable for your life. Because yo-yo dieting is very bad. Um, it, It puts stress on your organs. So if it's... I just encourage people to find a a health plan that they can sustain. I don't
1: know of any diet that works and I have tried most of them. I haven't tried this one uh but uh it you know the the, the your brain is just programmed against you. You gotta you gotta wean off of this bad right, stuff Right,
2: which is why I use the word health plan instead of that diet ain't no diet diet is don't not a work. diet right. so
1: explain the difference to, to folks we we see this we see so few people who are su- successful in losing weight but the people who are are the people you talked about a they lower their expectations Know that it will take them two or three years to learn how to eat healthy and don't try to lose a hundred pounds in one hour and gradually, do this. And it is so much easier. Learn how to cook again the right way. So what, what is this? What are the steps?
2: So the steps are are just like you said, to realize it's going to take time. We didn't put on our weight rapidly so it's going to take time for it to come off and it really should. About a pound to two a week, it should be kind of the maximum uh, weight loss that you're going for um, and set those realistic goals. So a lot of folks will look at what their BMI is now and where it needs to be and they may have to lose a hundred pounds to get into that healthy BMI range and that's just not a reasonable goal for the vast majority of people and so they see that number and they say forget it I can't do that so I tell people if you can lose five to ten percent of your total body weight you will improve your health outcomes and
1: there's data to support that you just didn't make it up? no
2: I didn't make it up so if you look at a person who weighs 200 pounds I mean you're talking a 10 to 20 pound weight loss for that that's completely doable and a very attainable goal so set that goal 10 pounds in three months and, you know, see where you are at the end of that three months. Then it kind of gives you a boost of, hey, maybe I can do this.
1: Do you start with portion and calorie control or do you go to uh, some kind of substituting things, substitution diet or what?
2: I actually recommend portion c- control to start with. My number one tip for making a healthy lifestyle change, not a diet, a healthy lifestyle change is changing the size of the plate that you use. Mm-hmm. So the traditional plate that we use is that 10-inch plate that comes in the dish set. That's an American plate. Um, it, it didn't even used to exist. If you look at plate sets from um, the past, that was not a plate size in there. When you use a huge plate like that, you have to fill it up or your body and your brain brain thinks you're starving it. So switch out to a seven inch plate. That's the middle plate that comes in the um the set, the salad plate. And if you put um, a serving on that plate of each of the food groups, that's built in portion control. Your brain sees that the plate is full thinks it's getting um, a full-size meal, which it actually is. That's the correct size. Um, and that is built-in calorie counting. So calorie counting is something that people have trouble with or that they feel bogged down having to to count their calories. If you just use that smaller plate, you've already got and calorie you can, control. people
1: are always baffled about what is a serving. There is a serving now on the package. Absolutely. Or in a, in, but you can also Google what is a serving right. of butter beans right. and, and stuff like that. Right, and serving
2: sizes are... The ones that are on the package are not necessarily the nutritional serving size. So, uh, you know, you can read a package and it may say that a cup is a serving size. But if it's a uh, starch, that's too much starch at one time. You really only need a half a a cup. So if people will get that 7-inch plate, they divide that plate in half, and they fill that half of that plate up with non-starchy veggies, they're good to go.
1: All right. Well, it's been a great visit with Dr. Bedwell and with you. We wish you a wonderful holiday season and we'll be back live again next week same time same place you've been listening to southern remedy a production of mississippi public broadcasting think radio funded in part by a grant from the university of mississippi medical center and your generous support to the foundation for public broadcasting catch a replay of today's show at 6 a.m. Sunday, Uh, or join us again next week at 11. NPR's Here and Now is next on MPB Think Radio.